Chelsea are world champions, Syria and the Premier League race are heating up, and Kurt Zuma, well, we need to talk about that situation. All this and more on today's episode of the Final Third Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. If you enjoyed the show, please, please, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps people find the show. So yeah, sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third of podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode. Happy Valentine's Day to all that celebrates and happy uh, uh, just a regular Monday for those who don't. Uh, uh, th- that's fine, too. Everyone. Everyone is valid. Uh, will be your Valentine's, I suppose, yeah. is the way that I should be putting that. But my name is Asia Tura. I am one of the co-hosts, fan of Minnesota United, who at this moment of speaking are losing to Portland Timbers in a preseason game 1-0. to zero. Also a fan of West Ham United. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have to talk about them today. And a fan of the U.S. national teams. And I'm joined by Joe Burrow's number one fan, Jack. Jack, how are you feeling? Uh, pretty, um, it depends if we're what we're talking about. I'm feeling okay. And also an update in that game. Portland had to have a red card now, so it's 11 v 10, which means we're going to lose. Yes, that uh, means we're going to lose by three yep, now. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but I am Jack. I'm a fan of Chelsea, which thankfully we get to talk about. That's yes, a good part. Uh, I'm a fan of the French and U.S. national teams, Minnesota United, Minneapolis City, and um, a team that we're not going to talk about, thankfully, because it would be too painful uh, for me to do so, which is Atlanta. <laughs> Yes, we're we're not going to talk about that. But yes. Ruslan Malinovsky scores good goals. But um, maybe we should defend in the last few minutes. Maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. Specifically, uh, the last minute of a game. Uh, some big implications for the top four race in Syria, thanks to a late Juve goal in that Atlanta Juve game. Quite uh, not not the uh, the match that Atlanta were looking for. But we're not talking nope. about that, Jack. Thankfully. Uh, We're talking about soccer in general. It's our Monday episode, so that means we're going to be talking about all of the biggest soccer news stories on and off the field. A lot of off the field news as well in this week. Uh, But Jack, before we get to some of those news stories, I have to ask you, the Super Bowl, for those who are uh, listening to this podcast, has already happened between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals in SoFi Stadium in L.A. Jack, I want to hear who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, most importantly, Joe Burrow is going to win. But yes. beyond that, the Bengals. I, I think I think most of America wants the Bengals to win. I think the exception is half of L.A. Uh, yeah. And and maybe St. Louis. Maybe St. Louis. Uh, uh, there's no way that St. <laughs> Louis wants the L.A. Rams to win. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, probably not. No, but people. Pe- the bang the Bengals are the people's team. Let's be real about it. Like yes. if if you're not cheering for the Bengals, you're either you're either A, a Rams fan, or B, not a not a very good person. I'm kidding, obviously, but the the Bengals come on. We everyone wants to see them win. I, I feel like even Rams fans kind of want to see the Bengals win. Uh maybe, maybe. Uh I I, I like Joe Burrow, but the main reason why I'd probably want the Bengals to win is Joe Mixon. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he's a very entertaining uh, running back. I also saw this TikTok. I'm forgetting which Cincinnati player it was, but it was like a message from his mom. I want to say 
uh, saying that how proud she was that he's in the Super Bowl. And that that made me uh, feel very wholesome feeling. So I want that to happen. I'm also looking forward to the halftime show, which oh, yeah. will, will feature a, a lot of uh, L.A. stars. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, one of my favorite artists, being one of them. So, yeah, pretty excited about that. Listeners already know who won. Uh, with our luck, it'll beat the Rams. But who knows? Ugh. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Going on to the real football. Uh, let's talk about some news stories. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Final Third Show. Yes. Jack, you alluded to Chelsea playing well this weekend. You were very happy to talk about them. In fact, listeners, I have to let you know that Jack's Zoom username, because we use Zoom to record this right now, is Chelsea are world champions, which is yes, true. Yes, they are. Because Chelsea have won the Club World Cup, Woo! exorcising the demons of 2012 to finally win now every single trophy that they have had available to them at one point or another. Big, big news. So I figured, you know, we talked about the first and second round a little bit uh, last week. So let's talk about what happened in the semifinals and in the final. Uh, I'll start off with Chelsea's competitor in the final and their path to the final. Uh, Palmeiras came in in the semifinal uh, as that's where they're seeded. Again, the Club World Cup is all the champions of the respective Champions Leagues of every single confederation, plus... Uh, a local representative who I want to say was Al Jazeera. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, Al Jazeera this time around of the UAE. So Palmeiras came in uh, and they beat Al Ali, who beat Monterey in the second round. And Palmeiras beat, beat them 2-0. to zero. Pretty easy win. Al Ali were missing a good amount of players from AFCON, or if they did come back, it was a very t- short turnaround. So... Goals from key players Rafael Avega and Aduda. So overall, very comprehensive win for them. Did really well uh, to make it to the final. And there's a lot of hopes from a lot of different uh, players from his Palmeiras team to finally, finally, finally win the world championship. That, of course, did not happen. Jack, how did Chelsea make it to the final? Well, they also entered in through the semifinals. They had to face Al-Hilal which I personally was worried about because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people on that team or specifically one that uh, has given Chelsea a lot of trouble in recent years being Mateus Pereira, who haunted us when we played West Brom last season, but uh, Chelsea were able to break that Lukaku got on the score sheet. He looked good in both of these games, scored 67% of Chelsea's goals. In fact, wow. uh, in this tournament, it's only three, two out of three, I mean, but still, he, he, he was a huge help in this. Uh, overall, Chelsea looked really good in the first half. The goal from Lukaku came in, uh, came off of a mistake from the left back Al-Shirani from Al-Hilal, but Lukaku was there to put it away. Uh, and I, I do have to give credit to Al-Hilal in the, in the semifinal, though, because they forced a massive performance out of Kepa. In the second half, he he made some fantastic saves in that second half, especially one where he dove just just enough to to poke it like right across right around the post. It was a great save, great performance from him. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was it was not the best performance I've seen Chelsea right. give this season, but it still shows that they're able to manage games well enough to mm-hmm. get the result they need. And get the result they did, 1-0, to zero, 
against Al Hilal to make it to, uh, you know, the final, a final which historically has been very Europe heavy in terms of the winner. The last loser that uh came out of Europe was actually Chelsea (laughs) back in that 2012 season, but that did not end up being uh, the case again because Chelsea, along with uh, you know that great team. Decided to win, finally. And Jack, finally. why don't you walk us through some of those goals, some of those moments, uh, some controversy, because it went, did go to extra time. What happened there? Yeah, so, uh, again, not the best first-half performance from Chelsea. Right. They, they had a lot of possession. They had a lot of possession through this entire game, but didn't do a ton of, with it in that first half. Uh, the most notable thing in the first half is actually Mason Mount got injured. Right. And Christian Pulisic was chosen to replace Mason Mount, yeah. which uh, USA fans obviously very happy with. Not happy I, about the injury, by the way. Not happy. Know. Yep. Not yes. happy about the injury. <laughs> happy for Pulisic getting playing time in his natural position. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what people were happiest about. However, I, I'm kind of shocked that Ziyech wasn't the one that to come on because he has been playing very well recently. But he had a good either, semifinal game too. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but Pulisic did pretty well uh, in this game, but. It, the breakthrough came 10 minutes after halftime when Callum Hudson-Odoi, who, I, I'm going to be honest, ha- didn't have the best game it, it, like uh, for, for the first half, it looked like, but had some great dribbling, you know, got to got to the line, cut it back across, good, good cross in for Lukaku, and he was their perfect header into the corner of the net. Uh, and again, Chelsea take the lead. Didn't last long, though. Because then Tiago Silva, I I think inadvertently, like very much so, it did not look intentional. Handballs the ball off of a cross in. It uh, looks like you know he kind of heads the ball and it hits his hand as he's jumping, but it gets called as a penalty. Uh, I love Mendy as a goalkeeper. He's not that great at saving penalties all the time, though. Except and, in Afcon. Except in Afcon, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he did not save this one. Uh, dives the entire opposite way, but yeah. uh, Viega, Ve- Vega, Viega, Ve- I think mm-hmm. it's Vega. <laughs> he scores that penalty goal, and it gets taken all the way to extra time. And then, uh, you know, first half kind of passes by. Both teams have their chances, but don't do anything with it. And in the 115th minute, Azpilicueta takes a shot at goal and hits the hand of. Probably the unluckiest center back in yes. the history of the Club World Cup, maybe. Uh, Luan Garcia. It hits his hand. Referee goes to the pitch side monitor, calls it as a penalty. And I do have to talk about a moment of genius here that was revealed after the match. Because I'm not sure if you heard about this, but Azpilicueta I did. I did, is yes. the one who stands with the ball over the spot. And all of the Palmeiras players come up and try and, like, and, try and psych him out like, oh, you're going to miss. And then he steps aside and Kai Havertz comes up to take yeah, the penalty. Genius. Just People at, do that more often. Like, honestly, that is just incredible. Great, great, great work, really. Great, great teamwork to get that done. Kai Havertz, coolest penalty you'll see. Wait, like the goalkeeper dives early and he just he could put it straight down the center. He does. He puts it right in the edge of the net. Perfect penalty. And. It only goes from bad to worse for yeah. Palmeiras and specifically Luan Garcia. Garcia yeah, <laughs> as Kai Havertz breaks away and he and he uh, takes him down. It's a last man tackle mm-hmm. denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. 
and he gets a red card in the yes. last minute of the game. Uh, probably one of the worst center back performances in a, in a Club World Cup final. Uh, it's very possible. I haven't watched many Club World Cup finals, to, to be yeah. honest, but I feel like it's got to be up there. But overall, Chelsea finally win the Club World Cup, and I was super excited for it. Thiago Silva gets named player of the tournament. Uh, Well-deserved, in my opinion. He's been great. 37, still killing it at the top level. Yeah, quite quite the man there. And uh, I think it's interesting because Chelsea now join the likes of, I want to say, like Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, and Liverpool, Ajax. Yeah. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting some other team. Real, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, of course. <laughs> and yeah, Manchester have, United. And Manchester that, United, right, that's, right. Those are the ones that I can think of that have won it. That, that, have, that have won, like, every single trophy that's been available to them. Every major trophy, I should say. And so, very, very impressive for Chelsea to join those ranks. I, I would like to think that this buys Thomas Tuchel a little bit more of time, considering that they get some silverware. Uh well, but I don't know. With uh, Abramovich, I, I guess you can never really quite tell. But Chelsea fans should be quite happy. Do you agree, Jack? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Although I, I tweeted about this because I saw a lot of people criticizing it, like uh, especially an ex-Chelsea player, Craig Burley, who is now uh, on ESPN FC. Um, not sure where his brain went, honestly, but he said, I can't believe Chelsea fans are celebrating winning uh, a plastic trophy when Manchester City are opening up a 16-point gap by beating Norwich. Oh, cool. They beat Norwich. Hey, how did Chelsea get into the Club World Cup again? Yeah, they beat they, Manchester City. Exactly. They beat Manchester City in the, biggest, in the biggest competition in Europe. And, you know, people act like it's easy to win the Club World Cup. Think about, think about what it takes to get there. You have to get top four in your domestic league. Then you have to get through the group stage of the Champions League, you have to win the Champions League altogether, and then you have to play two games to win a trophy. Yeah. Like, against not not bad opposition. Like No, yeah. Paul, Paul Maris would probably give... I, I'd, say, I'd say most of the teams in the Premier League trouble. Yeah. I, I, I would say that, they, that they'd give most of them trouble. So, it's, it's, it's impressive. And uh, it's also Eurocentric when people are like, Oh, it's such a dumb trophy because South American teams, this is the biggest trophy in football for them. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, but every single uh, South American or Brazilian team that's not Palmeiras changed their uh, their profile picture on Twitter to variations <laughs> of Chelsea and their badge combined Yeah, to show that they were all supportive of Chelsea because they don't want to see one of their rivals win this because it is the biggest trophy for especially in South America, Tiago Silva especially was talking about this with his team, saying how much it means, especially in Brazil, and why it means so much to win this trophy. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's I think is is it maybe not as respected, probably because of less prestige, less time being established. Yes, I think that's unfair because it is an accomplishment. It it is an accomplishment, and I I I, I don't love the Club World Cup. Not because like I don't like I, I love comp, cup, <laughs> cup competitions, but I do understand where a lot of people are coming from, and I would love to make it more important. I, I would love to 
have it be a little bit more accessible to South America and Africa and Asia, North America, where they do care about this competition a lot, while at the same time making it a little bit more meaningful for European teams. Because I, I think where a lot of people get hung up with is the fact that Europe has won the last 14 of 15 iterations. And so how do we make this a little bit more competitive? I oh no, I guess that's what, that's what I'm asking you, Jack. Like uh, uh, right now, FIFA are toying with this idea where instead of having it like in the middle of the European season every single year, they have it once every four years. Uh, have it be 24 teams at like a central location, have it be like an actual traditional World Cup, uh, which means less fixture congestion every year. Uh, and instead, it's like an international tournament as if it were held every four years. And I guess the upsides here is that it doesn't disturb the European seasons, while at the same time, you're able to invite more European teams that might get European teams more interested in in it while at the same time rewarding a lot of very powerful and good South American, North American, African, and Asian teams uh, with that. Jack, do you have any opinion on that? Uh, now that your team has won the Club World Cup, do you, do you see any advantage in going to that format in particular? I, I, could, I could see advantages in making it more accessible to other teams, but uh, I, I, I guess like it's still going to be difficult to get that scheduled because especially if it's like not in the European calendar season, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get clubs to actually, especially European clubs to get their players, like their best players to play, especially if there's international games going on, right? Like qualifying to the world cup or euros or, uh, I I don't know the, the nation's league or, or just the world cup in general. Like, uh, they probably wouldn't schedule it during that, but that's a very small window that you can schedule yeah. it for. So it's, it, I feel like it, it's difficult to do that. What I would, uh, what I would really like to see is each still hold it every year, but invite not only like the winners of the top continental competition, but uh, I'm not sure if there's an equivalent in South America to this, but like, you know, in CONCACAF, they have the, the leagues cup, right? That, that yeah. could that that is technically like a second tier Champions League competition. So invite the winner of that and then invite the winner of the Europa League and uh, in, in and invite the the winner of, you know, whoever if, if there's a second tier competition in Africa or just the runner up of the yeah. competition. Right. Like expand it still make it more important make teams have to play more games to get there i, I don't but think teams i don't know if teams would actually like to do that though I, especially I think, european I teams be, I, I i know but i think it could be interesting to expand the format a little bit make like a full bracket where everyone has to play like an equal amount of games so it's not like you know oh you're a european team and a south american team so you get to buy through to the next round uh like i i feel like it could be interesting to to get that happening I think it'd be interesting too, and I should say yes. Uh, South South America does have a secondary competition called the Copa Sudamericana. Okay, but I I really don't know if more games in the middle of the season is going to be quite helpful to get people to care. That's fair. <laughs> and I I think let's say you have to play four games in a span of two weeks instead of two in the span of half a week. I think. By the time you get back to the league and you have all these games to play, I think every Chelsea fan, if if they had to go through that for this iteration, will be singing a different tune about the Club World Cup. But 
overall, I'm in favor of something happening because right now I, I don't think it's, it's as a representative of the best teams in the world. But I, I absolutely adore intercontinental competitions like this. I think we need to have more interplay between the confederations. It, it, there's a lot of downsides to FIFA's plan, just as there's downsides to this plan, to your plan, whatever. But I think at the very least, something has to happen in order to give Europe a reason to care about it and to give dues to all of the other confederations and the work that they do. All right. Jack, do you have anything else to say about Chelsea now being world champions? Uh, it just feels good to say that finally after yes. the 2012 disappointment. It feels good that they that they've been able to do this and get to you know, achieve this and basically complete club football. So, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. they have the 100% save file uh, on the on the game. They've beaten it. Uh, it's it's great. It's, yeah. it's very cool. There's there's no, no more point in even trying in the league. Just uh, sell all your ah, players. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> to yeah. West Ham probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to West Ham, even yep. though we see now the last time that happened and it didn't work out quite yeah. well. Hmm. And that's a great transition to this story Going from very happy, happy stories from Jack about Chelsea to very somber ones from West Ham and from me. And that's because we were talking about, I would say, the biggest story in soccer this week, which happens to be not even remotely about soccer. And that is about Kurt Zuma. Leicester City versus West Ham finished 2-2 this past weekend, but that wasn't the main story even in that game. The main story was Zuma potentially starting until he got injured in the pre-match warm-ups. And why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal that he was... He didn't, not that he got injured, but the fact that he was about to start. Well, because this past week, Zuma was filmed abusing his cat for entertainment. A terrible scene for anybody with a heart. Since then, he's lost his boot deal with Adidas, gotten stick from West Ham and opposing fans alike, and it's been fan, fined two weeks wages and is cooperating with the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. He's apologized, even though not well, but that's kind of par for the course for a lot of footballers' uh, apologies. But the main ire right now, I would say, is towards Moyes and the owners. Very, very, very rightfully so. Moyes misspoke when announcing that there would be a donation to the RSPCA, as well as some partnership going on there to try to go along with this investigation and the RSPCA has hit back saying there hasn't been anything yet. Uh, not that we know of. So it's kind of cringe on Moise's parts. And even more cringe is the fact that he still played them in the games following this incident, which is very, very, uh, I, I would say kind of problematic, kind of tone deaf after this huge thing has happened where even your fans are, being very 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 vocal about how terrible this is to still play him in favor of beating a uh, Watford and drawing with Leicester City which is you know fine I, I I guess like it's good that you want to get points but there are some bigger things than football here and beyond that uh n neither the ownership nor David Moyes has done much of anything else to address this other than the internal handling of the, the two weeks fine. And before I let Jack talk about this a little bit, I have to say uh, that th this is obviously terrible. As a West Ham fan, this is 
terrible to see. Uh, I wish there was a, a little bit more fire from West Ham fans about this, even though I understand that it could be hard to uh, deal with this and truly internalize this compared to if you were an opposing fan. Uh, Antonio had a quote that got a lot of hate, but I partially agree with. Uh, he, when looking at the Zuma situation, uh, asked, is it worse than racism? And I, I don't want to compare two horde acts, obviously racism and abuse of a cat, in, in every single world is two terrible acts. But the question that I think he's really asking and the question that I want to ask the footballing world when it comes to these terrible controversies is why does it take a cat being harmed to get people talking about justice? Why does it take a cat having to go through a terrible, terrible act to, uh, to people, for people to care about justice? Why does it have to come to this for people in privilege to wake up and care about, you know, footballers getting held up to justice? You know, uh, why, why, why does it take this for people in privilege to become privy to footballers doing harmful things and getting away with it because they have money and because they have, they have the privilege themselves? Why did a cat have to be harmed for people to stop making prison FC jokes and finally talk about suspending a player? Why have we gone years of sexual abuse, racism, and homophobia in the footballing world, and it takes a cat being harmed for white straight men to finally show empathy? Because they are cat owners, because they like cats. This cat deserves so much better than being the subject of, of people's, you know, f coming to terms with the idea of sympathy. And it, it ha deserves way more, way better than how Zuma treated, uh, treated it. We should have had this discussion of restorative justice far before this. Not that it would have stopped uh, Zuma, but maybe it would have given us a framework to deal with this. And instead, we're, we're, we're left with this complete PR mess for West Ham. And more importantly, just a, an entire moral, moral upheaval of, of terms here. And it's really, it's really gross to see from people making jokes about it or... Uh, you know, you know, whatever, whatever the internet does, it's it just gross no matter what. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you a question that's been on my mind since this happened. I have not tweeted about this once, so this is going to be the first time that I address this. But what should Zuma do? It, what needs to happen to actually instill justice? We've talked about these controversies before. We've talked about issues, not exactly like this, but issues of uh, footballers doing something terrible and getting away with it. And this is a very interesting case because this is animal abuse, which is not something we necessarily talk about because it's not really something that really happens. But Jack, in your mind, what does Zuma need to do here? Uh, well, one, make a proper apology. That that first one was yes, not great. Uh, two, actually make the apology meaningful. And by that, I mean, you know, donate to like uh organizations that work to prevent animal abuse show you're actually mm -hmm. serious about addressing the issue uh and then three i i'd say like you know he he's already kind of doing this and the cooperating thing but don't try and fight like any anything like saying like yeah it, it, it happened but it's not a huge deal or something like that like don't downplay it at all right uh but i i think to comment on what you said, you're you're hitting on a lot of important points with it because, you know, it, it's it, it 
it, it's sad that it took this for people to comment about this and on on Michael Antonio's quote as well. I think like like you said, it's it's weird to compare the two things, but I think he kind of has a point in that, you know, it, it's it like uh, we've seen so many footballers get away with so much other bad stuff. And this is what drives the media crazy. And I, I also have a feeling that this story would be covered a lot differently if it was a white English footballer. Sure. Doing yeah. the same thing. I, I, I don't want to say that it's entirely motivated by that because obviously this is a bad thing. Uh, but I also can't help but think that the story and the narrative would be so much different mm-hmm. if it, if it was like, you know, Phil Foden who did it over Kurt Zuma, just yeah. for an example. I, 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 I can't shake that feeling. And just given what I know about the English media in general. Uh, but I, I, I think that West Ham as a club have also like really yeah, fumbled absolutely this. Absolutely like, failed. Jeez, yeah, they, geez. They've, they've messed it up bad. Like it, it could have been so easy to just say, you know, yeah, we're not going to play him while, uh, while he's, you know, under, under investigation. A, an investigation, yeah. right? Like, it may not be by the police itself, right? But it's still an investigation for actually what is considered a pretty big crime. Like it, it is classified as a pretty as a, a pretty large offense, I, I think. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's you're right though. So many footballers get away with so much stuff. Like I, I think Jerome Boateng getting away with domestic abuse still plays for Leon every week. Uh you know, we, we see this kind of stuff all the time. And unfortunately, you know, it it took this to get people talking about this. You know, after everything else, yeah. this is this is the thing I, I get. There, there's something about sympathy and maybe and maybe that's what like uh, people need to stress when, uh, you know, trying to combat other bad things is that, you know, this affects people, you know, this affects like like racism, for example, I feel like a lot of people who don't talk about it don't talk about it because they feel it doesn't affect them or people they know. But if you if you if you uh, if you uh, if you actually phrase it in those sorts of ways, like for for people who have pets, obviously this gives a big like a, a big um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like uh, it, it's a bad thing and it gives a, a response that seems appropriate for them but yeah maybe i'm getting off track here and i'll 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 let you keep going but yeah i i think that you know there's a lot there's a lot wrong with how this situation's been handled both by you know some of the fan outcry being disproportionate to other to outcry over other events yeah uh and just by the clubs the player himself you know there's a Mm -hmm. lot of issues with it yeah it's uh I don't even think it's like what aboutism where you try to you try to be like well what what about your response to race because I I think it's a I think it's a legitimate criticism about how maybe not the fans because I'm I'm sure there are a lot of fans that cry foul about both but more particular how the media deals it with it and I think maybe a little bit part of it about it is that the media doesn't want to get entangled in stories about you know sexual abuse or racism. But everyone can agree that hurting a cat is bad. Everyone can agree with that. And I I just wish that 
we treated every single bad thing as a bad thing. That, that we don't sugarcoat things, that, that we don't try to, to defend them, that we, we, we are very explicit in the way that we use our language, that we talk about issues like animal abuse and like all the other abuses that footballers have uh, done in the past. It, 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 it's, it's very disheartening to see that people don't care about a footballer's terrible actions until it affects something in their life. Until they see him hurt a cat because they have a cat, or uh, see him hurt another uh, hurt another teammate because they like that teammate, but say nothing about other forms of of terrible action. And if you want to be a, like someone who cares about justice, you need to be able to maybe not speak out about it. I'm not saying that 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 you need to be some sort of activist because you spoke out against this particular case, but at the very least, you need to care. And this is where I, I, I'm going I'm to go on a little bit of a tirade, but I think it's a very important for us to talk about because the, I, I've seen this kind of mirror itself within other controversies with footballers uh, and I guess society as a whole. But when we ask ourselves how what needs to happen in order to instill restorative justice, just like with other controversies, it's really disheartening to see people a joke about it in the way that doesn't make light of the situation, but instead just really cheapens it. Like it's one thing to make a joke about how poorly West Ham have handled it, because I know I have. I'm, I West Ham's. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of that club, but I have absolutely hated their response. But it's another thing to make a joke about hurting or killing cats. Very different butts of the joke there. And I also think that people, the way that people view this incident and the needed outcome. They see it in a very self-serving way. It's not about how much they care about making the world a better place. They just want to see Zuma punished. And it's the difference between retributive justice and restorative justice. Uh, retributive justice, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. English is not my first language, whatever. Focuses on punishing the offender. Like, how can we make Zuma pay for his actions? Versus restorative justice that focuses on how the offender can make reparations to make the situation and the world better. Jack, you know, summed it up pretty perfectly. How can Zuma improve the life of animals? Can he work with shelters, donate money, take courses to improve his understanding of animal empathy? How can he, you know, make up for the terrible things that he's done in a meaningful way that affects not just him, but the people and animals around him? And two things can be true. It can be true that he and West Ham have dealt with this issue terribly. What he did was undeniably terrible. But it can also be true at the same time that blind punishment isn't going to help anybody. Blindly calling for his head does nothing for the cat. It does nothing for the animal community. All it does to serve is the fans, the egos of the fans who just want him gone. And... I think back, I know none of all of our listeners are from the U.S., but I think back to Michael Vick in the NFL who got suspended and jailed in connection to his heavy involvement with a dogfighting ring. Uh, he served his time and even has worked with politicians and activists to make the lives of dogs better, supporting a bill to make it a misdemeanor to even watch dogfighting. But even after he was released and made great political movements, he was still hated when he played for other teams and we be became an analyst for Fox Sports. And... This was a little confusing, but it makes sense when you realize that people didn't want him to be better. They didn't want to improve the lives of those dogs. They just wanted themselves to make 
to, they want to make themselves feel good at the end of the day. And this is where it becomes very important that when we look at issues like this, whether it be animal abuse or we, it, it is sexual abuse, domestic violence, we should look it, through it through the lens of how do we make the world better after this? Zuma should face harsher punishment, maybe even go to jail or be suspended for a long amount of time by the league. But like with all punishments, we need to change the lens in which you view things to how can we make this world better? If he does his time and restores the harm that he's caused, then that's what we need to see. And that's the same thing that we need to see with uh, how we view sexual violence, with, with, with uh, a homophobia, with racism. We as fans need to ask the clubs and that player to play an active role in lifting up their communities whether it be uh their minority community uh the the woman at their club or or in their own community because no amount of racism against zuma threats of physical or sexual violence against him or his family or calls for lifetime incarceration and disenfranchisement will restore justice in the same way that him owning up to his problems and working to make up for it can the cat deserves better, all animals deserve better, and just jailing him or kicking him out of the game does really nothing to make up for that fact. And so the justice has to go deeper than that. And I'll leave it at that. I know I haven't talked about it a lot, so I had a lot on my mind, and I think it's really important that in order to stop things like th from this happening again, we need to have a good framework on how to deal with terrible acts like this. Jack, anything else to say before we get into some trivia? No, I think you covered it perfectly, honestly. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I just let you have the floor and I'm glad I did because that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's exactly what I would think about, about this situation. Yeah. And, and I, I before we move on, I, I, I have to make sure that people know that I'm not trying to cheapen this by saying that he shouldn't get punished. I, I do think that he should very much get punished, but at the same time, it's important that we get something out of that punishment instead of just throwing him in jail and throwing the key away. Like, what does that do for the people that were hurt most? What does that do for the cat and the, the all the other, you know, adorable little kitties out there that uh, are going through stuff like that? My roommate has a cat, and even though she can be a little bit of a poop head sometimes, uh, this entire story really hit home to me, and I, I want to make sure that, that animals like my roommate's cat and beyond get treated with the same love that they deserve. All right, Jack. Well, <laughs> you told me about this next section before uh, this episode, uh, and it's quite the doozy. Jack usually does his uh, 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 stat padding where I have to you know, guess the answer to a particular question regarding football statistics. And, you know, the audience can play along, but I feel like both audience and I might have a hard time. Jack, do you want to walk us through what's going on here? Yeah, well, the tagline for this uh, this section of stat padding is une surprise française, which means a French surprise. Uh, that means basically, you know, it's been a, a bit of a running joke on this podcast that I I've taken French and I speak it decently well, and AJ does not. And uh, so, <laughs> not that, at all, by the way, not, not, not at, at all. all. Uh, so I thought it would be kind of funny. What if we did this, but all questions are in French? I made them easier than usual. Uh, it's all on Ligon, and it's all about it's all uh, it's all in French, though. I'll translate them all at the end uh, afterwards. So if you're interested in maybe picking up some French, you know, 
get your French oh, practice boy. in if you're taking <laughs> French classes. Uh, but I, I've also made it a little bit easier, I think. So AJ will have, uh, you can get five points on each question. There's four hints available. Each time you take a hint, it reduces your score on that question by one. But yes. if you take a guess uh, and you get it wrong, you don't get a second chance oh, with, a, with an extra hint. So it's a risk versus reward type thing. Uh, and, you know, uh, a final twist, which could be interesting for each question. AJ can ask for one word to be translated in, in that. So, you know, can use that strategically. Uh, but AJ, are you ready for some French practice? Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> All right. So the first question, numero un. Oh, God. <laughs> Qui a le plus buts en Ligue 1 cette saison? Okay. Can, uh, okay, I, I'm going to use my, my translate okay. on that last word. What is that last word? It means season. In oh, this, that doesn't help so me at all. this season. Okay, well, okay, so that tells me this probably is either the best or worst player in this stat for the season, mm-hmm. which I guess Do is... Do you want me to repeat the question as well? Sure thing. Okay. Qui a les plus buts en Ligue 1 cette saison? Boots. Okay, I probably should have... I don't know what boots means. All right. I'm going to say... I'm going to guess that this question is asking about goals, most goals, and I'm going to go with the leading goal scorer, which is Monaco's uh, uh, Wassam Ben Yedder. So I'm going to go with Monsieur Ben Yedder. You got it. You got Let's it. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Was you, I right? Yeah, you're right. It Let's is go. Wassam Ben Yedder with 14 goals. Uh, the, the random trivia hint, because I think this might be okay. funny for some viewers, was... Uh, il était le plus ennuyeux carte de jouer contre en FIFA 20, which means he was deemed the most annoying player to play against in FIFA 20. Because oh, nice. he had a very OP card in that version of the game. All right. But Jack, yeah, you got, that's you five got that points right. right there. Five points. Let's go. There you go. So, are you ready for this next one? Yes, I am. All right. Numero 2. Qui a les plus de passes décisives en Ligue 1 cette saison? Okay, say that, say that one more time. Yep. Qui a les plus de passes décisives en Ligue 1 cette saison? Okay, you know what? The, the, uh, the passes word, what is that? Passes. I'll give you the full, I'll give you the full thing. Okay. It means assists. Okay. Passes décisives right. means assists. All right, all right. easy, easy. That, that, that would be the leading assist, assist, assister? Is that the word? Uh, <laughs> which would be, uh, I believe, Monsieur Dimitri Payet. Yes, that is correct Let's as well. Go. There, there you go. You've I know my using French. the translations well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you, you would have liked the random trivia uh, hint for this one. Il est en legend pour West Ham. Yes, he is. Yes, so he is. Let's go. That, that's how you can say he is a he is a West Ham legend for, right, for future right. reference nice, in French. Nice. But he has nine assists, and mm-hmm. uh, Ben Yedder has fourteen goals for for those who are interested. Okay. Now, this one is a bit interesting because I actually had to look up the word for, for this one because oh I wasn't familiar with it at first. But it's, it's an interesting one, and it has an interesting origin, but I'll go into it with numéro 3. Quel gardien de but a gardé le plus blanchissage en Ligue 1 cette saison? Okay. I like to translate the blanchissage. <laughs> I'm, yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. It, it means... Uh, literally, it means white sheets, which oh, you can guess, sheets. 
which you can guess probably okay. off of that. So Dude, I'm going to give you the literal one because other, uh, you can take the hints as well if, yeah, yes. if you want to. Okay, I, so you, okay I, I, I don't know the, the clean sheet uh, clean sheet leader off the top of my head. Uh, can, can you list off the, the options for hints? Yep, so you can take uh, age and nationality as one hint, okay. the number they wear, random trivia, uh, and the team. And it goes in order from that, so you've got to take... Okay, so, so I'll, I'll take that first hint because okay. I have no idea. So, il a 27 ans et il est espagnol. Espanol, okay, Spain. Oh gosh, oh <laughs> gosh. Uh, uh, Spain, Spain. I, uh, who, who, who is Spanish that plays for? Is a goalkeeper. Uh, uh. Do you do you want another hint? I can switch them around. I I won't give you the team one before anything else, but. If you want uh, the random trivia or the number. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Which one do you want? Do you want number or random trivia? Well, okay. number's not going to help me, so I'm going to guess he <laughs> wears one. I'll take the random trivia. Okay. Il est en prêt de Roma. De Roma. Okay, so I'm guessing he played for Roma. Uh, gosh, I... I you sure can, you don't want I, the number? <laughs> is that going to help me? It might. Can, can, can I can I get can I get half points if I guess the team right? Sure, sure. You can get, if I you, if I guess the goalkeeper of this team. Yeah, because I I'll be honest. I, I don't know <laughs> many of the goalkeepers off the top of my head. I'm gonna go goalkeeper for Nice. That's not right. <sighs> but uh, the number is il porte le numéro 60 pour son équipe. Okay. Which is not one. So okay, well, I I I probably and, don't know his number either. So yeah, uh, and il joue pour Marseille. So okay. he plays for Marseille. It is. If you want to take one final guess, you can get one point for for a final guess. Uh, I'm so I'm sorry, Marseille fans. Is that <laughs> is that uh uh Lopez? That, that is correct. Yes. Okay. It is Paul Lopez. Well, and get, the one about get, Roma is. On loan from Roma. Okay. So that. Okay. Yeah, that that one's a bit tricky, but on right. pret means on loan. So that was, he has that was ten tough. clean sheets though in nineteen matches. Pretty good. Uh, but yeah, you get one point for that still. All right, eleven you points, get, not bad. Yep, eleven points out of fifteen possible. Not bad, given that this isn't <laughs> this is all in a language you don't speak. So let's keep going for numero cat. Qui a les plus contingents en Ligue 1 cette saison? Okay, repeat that for me. Yep. Qui a les plus contingents en Ligue 1 cette saison? All right. Uh, like caton word. What is that? That means cards. Cards? Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need that first hint. I'm going to need that <laughs> right. first hint. I'll be honest. Il a 29 ans et il est Italien. Italian. Okay. Do you have a, Do you have an idea of what the question's asking? I'm guessing it's it's the most cards. I I'm not sure if it's yellow or red cards, which kind of. Do you want me to say me the off. the color word again? Sure. Okay. Jean. Jean. All right. Jean sounds like it could be <laughs> anything. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, well, I wish it was Spanish. It would be like roja, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Well, remember, Spanish and Spanish and French are similar because they're both Romance languages. That's so. true. Okay. If I if I use my context clues, I'm gonna guess it's yellow cards. Okay. Italy. Okay. Italian. 
Do you do you want another hint? And I, I, I'll take another hint. Just I have I'm an guessing idea. random trivia before numbers. Yes, random okay. trivia, please. All right. Il joue en milieu de terrain qui gagne le finale de Euro. Uh, oh, okay. I got the, it. I the, absolutely got okay. it. Okay, you got it. Okay. okay. So I'm I'm guessing played in the Euro final. So I'm gonna go with Monsieur Verratti. That is correct. Yes, Let's Marco go. Verratti. Okay. He has nine yellow cards. Dang. Uh, and so that that you took two hints on that. So that brought you down to three points, but you still okay. get three points for that. That's fine. Uh, so you're on 14 out of 20. Not too bad. And going into the last question. Okay. All right. Are you are you ready for this? Yeah, okay. my my goal is to get at least eighteen points. I think eighteen's okay. pretty respectable. Okay, so four four points on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, numero. Uh, I forgot sank. I almost I forgot oh, the, word wow. for, the word for five slipped my mind. Numero sank. Selon Footmob, se joue à la meilleure score moyenne avec un huit point zero six. Wow, that's long. Okay, say it again. <laughs> yeah, selon Footmob. Se joue à la meilleure score moyen avec un 8.06. Okay, the 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 le meilleur or whatever. Me, uh, what meilleur. Was that? Yep. Uh, that means the best. Okay, so I'm ooh, I'm really good at picking out the important word. Apparently, <laughs> I'm guessing that's the best foot mob score. Which, ah, man, like I do. Do you want I, some I get, hints for that one? Yeah, the guy. Like I, I can probably guess who will be in the conversation. But I will take that hint. I'll, I'll let you pick any hint you want. Do you want the random trivia, the the nationality, or do you want the number? Does it all count the same? Yeah, it'll all count the same for, for okay. this one. Then I, I, I'll i take the team. I think that'll narrow it down. No, the not most. the team. <laughs> the team isn't okay, in okay. the conversation. Okay, frankly. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I, I, I will take, I'll take, I'll still take nationality. Nationality? Still take nationality. All right. Il a 23 ans et il est français. Okay. Hmm. Well, I guess that didn't really help. But, uh, <laughs> I tried to give you an out for it. I tried. To. Yeah. Okay. Well, in terms of the highest foot mom rating, that's also a Frenchman. Oh, man. For, to me, it was like between Mbappe and Payet because they're both French. Do you want Do you want another one? It'll bring you down to 17 points no, total. No, I, I'm going for it. Uh, I, I think it has to be Monsieur Kylian Mbappe. You got it right. Yes, it Let's is go. Mbappe, and uh, his score, huit point zero six, is eight point oh six. Okay, uh, Who, the, who's the next highest? The next highest was actually Dimitri Payet with seven point oh, wow. nine eight. So you were you were very close uh, between those two. You, you nailed nice. it down right. Uh, I I I was trying to get you to take the the random trivia to make it easier because it was pretty easy after you got that, which is. Il a manqué le penalty crucial on Euro 2020, okay. which means he missed the crucial penalty <laughs> yeah, I, in I Euro guess. 2020. But hey, you know what? You 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 did get 18 out of 25 on there, so that's not, not bad. too bad. Uh, and you you translated well, so you learned a little bit of French. Uh, you you know how to say season in French. <laughs> uh, you know how to say assists, uh, clean sheets, cards. And uh, the best. So, mm-hmm. hey, you can say something with that, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. The, the best assist goals, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. there you go. Uh, so what, what, what do you think? Did, did, did you like that, that version of it? Yeah, th- that was a lot of fun. I, I think uh, we should do that again sometime. 
and I think I, I I can I can pick up words. I just can't say them. I just right. cannot I, say them. I I know I know some Czech, so maybe I'll have to do it with uh, some Czech players or something. Yeah, uh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, because I don't speak any other languages besides <laughs> those two. Nice, nice. All right. Well, listeners, I hope you did half as well as me because I feel like uh, I kind of killed that. Pretty uh, well. But yeah, better but than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> There's also probably some people who didn't even need the hints. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely Dimitri Payet. That's definitely yeah. Mbappe." Hopefully, hopefully any uh, any uh, listeners who are taking French, you know, you got a little bit of French practice in with that. Yeah. You know, those listening exams that you have to take in uh-huh. foreign language classes. There you go. That that was that was practice. All right. Yeah. And hopefully, those who actually do speak French won't lambast you for maybe mispronouncing. Yeah. Some oh, things. I know. I I know. I messed up a little bit on on some of them. <laughs> But, All right. you know, I think I got it right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to some score lines. We'll go quickly into some larger trends that are really developing in the different leagues. Before we get to that, I have to highlight the Espanol and Barcelona game. Jack and I were, were paying attention to this game before, but it seemed like for the first time since I want to say the 2008-2009 season, yep. Espanol was going to beat Barcelona because it was 2-1 to one going into even the 90th minute. Pedri scored first. Then uh, Espanyol struck back with two goals from Dardar and Raul de Thomas. And then craziness happened after the 90th minute. I haven't seen this game. I really want to see the highlights, but I'm so confused by what happened because uh, Rabat- Nico Rabato got a yellow card. Then Gerard P- Pique got a second yellow card, so he got sent off. And Rabato, a minute after that, in the 90 plus third minute, got another yellow card to get sent off. Luke de Jong scored in the 90 plus sixth minute to equalize for Barcelona. And then M- Manu uh, Mor- Morlanes uh, for Espanyol uh, got sent off. And he actually, uh, uh, funnily enough, I-, I-, I believe was not playing it. It said it says here that uh, he came in the 62nd minute, left in the 70th minute. Did, did he get a red card on the bench? Yeah. Do, you, do you want me to let you know what, what happened with each of those red cards there? Yes, I do. So the one for Nico Ribaudo and Gerard Pique was for going head-to-head with each other. So they locked heads. That's a yellow card. So, right. Okay, I so guess. So that, that's, sure. that's what happened there. Uh, I, I'm not sure. It, it's, it's because Melamed uh, or Nico Ribaudo, uh, sorry, sorry uh, he pulled back Pique in the 90 plus okay. second minute and they got up and locked heads so they both got a second yellow uh so ba- basically ribaudos might as well have been a straight red because he got them in the same minute the the two yeah. yellow cards but uh the second the second red card is for dissent because morlanes he did get substituted off he was he was arguing with the referee saying that it should be offside and uh so be uh that that's it. That's that's how that happened. But Luke de Jong, Barca fans clowned on him, but I, I don't know. He's been crucial for them. Yeah, he's scored a lot of important goals. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but uh, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Adama Traore. He's gotten some assists the last couple of, of matches. I'm very impressed by his output for Barcelona so far. So very cool to see that. And now it's time to talk about Adama Traore's previous team or team that he's loaned from wolves because we're we're gonna ask the question real quick here who's going to get the top four in the prem because right now it is a bit close for comfort for a lot of teams the way that the table for the prem sits right now is city on top with 63 points nine points nine points behind them is liverpool seven points behind liverpool is chelsea 
And then things get really jumbled. Six points behind Chelsea, it's West Ham with 41 points with 25 games played. Manchester United have a game in hand compared to West Ham and are only one point behind with 40 points. Arsenal have three games in hand compared to West Ham and are only two points behind. And then you have Wolves and Tottenham who are right behind there with 37 and 36 points respectively. This top four race and this European race in general is really, really heating up and in large part due to the fact that three of those teams choked this weekend uh, in some ways more than others. Uh, Arsenal, I don't think even played this weekend because they were slated to play against Chelsea, but of course Club World Cup happened. Uh, but Tottenham, to start off with, two goals were scored and none of them were from Spurs. It was Wolves who scored two, Jimenez in the sixth minute and uh, Dan Don Donker in the 18th minute. And I guess the Spurs, Spurs just did not have an answer to that and they fall two to zero. Uh, on the other side of the league, other side of the country, Manchester United played Southampton. That ended up being 1-1. One one. Sancho scored first, but Shea Adams scored to equalize it. Quite the game that was. Ronaldo Great now makes it. Great goal from Shea Adams as well. That is true. That is true. Wrong <laughs> wrong uh, forward for Southampton for me for uh, for fantasy points. I wanted Broja to score. Or Ward-Prowse as well because I have him on my fantasy team. Uh but that wasn't the case, and now Ronaldo goes his longest scoring drought since 2009 with six games without a goal. Uh, going beyond that, uh, towards Leicester City, Leicester City and uh, West Ham tie 2-2 two two in pretty disappointing fashion for both teams, one might say, because uh, West Ham score early with a Jared Bowen goal. He's on fire. Probably the only good part about West Ham right now. Uh, Leicester City score two goals to bring it up to two to one. First one was a Tielemans penalty kick and then a Pereira 57th minute. Pretty good goal from them. Harvey Barnes played exceptionally well. And it wasn't until Craig Dawson and Jared Bowen combined to score uh, Craig Dawson. O almost a handball, but it was the shoulder and the new rules say that that's not a, a handball. So... Leicester City give up another goal on a corner kick uh, as they have become accustomed to, and it becomes 2-2. Two two. West Ham not playing very well. Tottenham not playing very well. Manchester United not playing very well. Jack, of, of those three teams, or maybe Wolves or Arsenal, who is making that top four? Because not a lot of good things coming out this weekend. I think Arsenal are going to be the one. Really? Yeah, I, I, I really do think so. Uh, West Ham, we've talked about it before. Kind of an injury-ridden West Ham. Yeah. Still missing a few key players here and there. Maybe not as much as was missing before, but, you know, Ogbonna is still out. Masuaku, it looks like, is out. Uh, but, you know, the big the big worry is if Mikhail Antonio has a drought in scoring form, which he, I, I'm, he, I'm not he sure. He does. He is. He's, He's kind there. of on one. Yeah. Uh, they're, they don't really have the forwards to make up for it. Sure, they've got Jared Bowen, but he can only do so much right. for a team, right? Like, one player can only carry a team so far, right? Uh, so I, I think West Ham are looking like they're struggling a little bit. Yeah. Manchester no United, signings, too. Yeah, I exactly. That's for... the other big thing. Yeah, yeah, no new signings. Manchester United, no new signings for them either. Uh, and they have had two very disappointing games in a row. Actually, three if you count the FA Cup. Uh, but 1-1 draw to Burnley. 
giving up a goal later as well, and a 1-1 draw against Southampton. They've really started second halves poorly. They've given up a goal in the in the first half in the second half uh, in both of their league games in the first five minutes of that second half. Whatever whatever halftime talks Ragnick is giving must be awful uh, yeah. because they go into halftime leading and then get scored on immediately and then mm. don't respond. So I I don't know what's up with Ragnick, but his halftime talks must be awful. Yeah, I, I mean, United are in a very tough place right now. And I, I think, I don't even know if it's like necessarily Ragnick. I think it's just the club is just yeah, not buying probably. into his vision. And it, it, the vision that, that has worked in other places, but I just don't think the likes of, like, I don't know, do you really think Maguire and Luke Shaw are really like being like, oh, I love pressing and well, stuff. This Maguire is, is the main issue in most of exactly, these cases. Exactly, exactly. And the, the, just to sidetrack for a second, Man, you played 80 million for this guy from Leicester based off of the World Cup, made him captain, and he's their worst center back. Like he is. <laughs> it, it's not even I it's not even close at this point. Lindelof well, I mean, is better, I yeah, feel like. Oh, like okay, okay, like sure, bit, sure. But he he's better at playing the ball, he's better under pressure, and better recovering. Maguire can't sure. do any of those things particularly well, it seems. I, uh, I don't know what Maguire does do well. That yeah. is so exceptionally better than any other alternative. He, hey, he scores against Albania and does uh, and does a silence the haters. Yeah, exactly. It's stupid. That, that's stupid. it. That's it. Uh, but it, it, it's not just like the players and it's not just Maguire especially. But I just think that the front office and like the coaching staff and the ownership, they they have Ragnik in there, but they're not supporting him. They're not they're not really doing anything to help reinforce his system, and so everything is just in disarray and this i i look at this manchester united team and i'm like what what are you building towards what do you want to be because the players have one idea the coach has one idea i bet the front office has another idea this team for a long time we've highlighted this so many times before it's all about big names flashy signings towards nothing their best signing of pre of the recent times was bruno fernandez uh, you know last season or two seasons ago ever since then and even the signings surrounding him not great. I guess Varane's also good, but a bunch of a uh, bunch of other farts in terms of uh, transfers from yeah, the front office. Let, let me explain why I think Arsenal's going to make it in, though, because Please. West Ham and Manchester United, they still have something to play for. West Ham has the Europa League. You know, obviously, West Ham wants the Europa League, right? Uh, I I think you, as a West Ham fan, can admit that. This season is awesome if they if they manage to win the Europa League, right? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. So they, they want that man. You their only hope of a trophy right now because they've been knocked out everywhere else is the Champions League. So you can bet they're going to try and try and do their best in that Arsenal. They don't have European competition. They don't have any competition. They don't have the yeah. EFL Cup. They don't have the FA Cup anymore. They don't have to worry about that. All they have is the Premier League yeah. and they're going to and they're going to put all their resources into that. And the other thing, they have players and I know you don't like Arteta, but the players are buying into whatever he's selling them. Yeah, I, I think hey, I think the players are, are good. Yeah. To be and fair, it, they've been playing pretty well. Like, yes, they had a rough patch, but they, they played decent against Wolves. You know, Wolves are on decent form. Yeah, and they're seventh place. Yeah, yeah, and they they beat them in, in that game when they needed to. So I I think that Arsenal have the best chance. Also, three games in hand 
ahead of West Ham, two games in hand above Man U. They, they, they look like a solid enough team that could make top four. I, I, I rate Wolves as well. I don't rate Tottenham in this race at all uh, because yeah. Tottenham have looked just bad uh, mm-hmm. recently. Like they, they beat Leicester with two late goals. Cool. It's Leicester's been yeah. bad this season. Oh. Uh, uh, Conte has lost three league games in a row for the first time in his career. That's and an now he has Man stat. City next. Yeah. That, okay. That's an insane stat. Uh, yeah. Like I, I don't think it's going to get much better for Tottenham. Uh, in, if I'm being completely honest, at, at uh, least this season for sure, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they can rebuild next season if Daniel Levy lets uh, Conte do yeah. it. Which I have a feeling the answer, is, as it has been for every manager, is going to be no. Uh, right. which isn't going to work for Conte. He's probably going to leave. Uh, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's, look, it's looking rough for everyone but Arsenal, honestly. Arsenal and Wolves, I wouldn't be surprised if they get fourth and fifth. Mm-hmm. Maybe a crazy we, prediction, but I wouldn't be surprised. Wolves, I, I think their ceiling is a little bit lower. Like seventh or sixth place, I think, is very achievable for them. There, there's going to be, a, like, even still, United and Tottenham, there's still a lot of talent in, in them to, like, reach that. The, the higher echelons of Europa League I mean, spots. You say that, but in the last month, they've beaten both of those two teams. That's that's actually <laughs> so, so true. Like uh, Wolves have gotten so, some good, uh, good results there. So what am I saying? But uh, I agree with with Arsenal. That's why Five Thirty Eight actually has them uh, as the most likely to get that fourth spot with fifty four percent chance of making the Champions League. It really comes down to if they can get that job done against other contenders, like. Uh, when when they go and play United or Wolves or Tottenham, I, I don't know how many games they have against them, but definitely those games are going to be must watches and must wins. Well, they've still got them. Arsenal. Definitely have one against uh, against Tottenham because of the postponement of the North London derby. So that's true. Wow that 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 could be a very very important game for Arsenal's season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed. All right, let's move on from. Uh, England, because, you know, we talked about Liga a little bit there. We talked about uh, Premier League. Let's move on to some Serie A, because who's going to win the Serie A? That's a good question. I don't know. And neither does a good amount of people, because some of these recent results have rocked Serie A. Inter Milan had a pretty, you know, hefty lead, and now that's gone. The way that the top three has played out for the contenders is one Milan uh, are on top with 25 games played and 55 points. Inter Milan with a game in hand, mind you, but still behind Milan by one point at 54 points. And Napoli not too far behind with 25 games played with 53 points. Uh, th- the big kind of overarching theme here is, is the fact that Inter have lost against AC Milan yesterday, which opened the door for this game against Napoli to potentially shake things up. And Inter drew against uh, Napoli and that is exactly not what you want to see. Insigne scored the penalty, future Toronto FC legend, in the seventh minute. Uh, and it was until Dzeko scored in the 47th minute that Inter was on the board. And Chalinoglu got very much contained in, in this game. He had uh, one of the, the, the lower ratings for Inter. Uh, Barella as well, I felt like, didn't play as well as he should have. And Napoli's defense... Uh, Koulibaly especially was amazing in this game, contained all, all of the uh, inter attacks very, very well. And yeah, uh, not exactly what you want to see if you're an inter fan. Uh, Milan, 
if you're if you're an AC Milan fan, you see these that result and you are the money signs are in your eyes because you are like we're going towards the top. Milan beats Sampdoria one to zero in uh, this past weekend, which is kind of the form that they have been going on. Uh, Liao, who has played very, very well, scored in the eighth minute. That was the only goal. And even though it did look dicey towards uh, that second half, they still came out on top. And now, with only two points separating these teams, with Inter with a, a game in hand, of course, it's very, very close. So, Jack, if you had to take one pick, who is going to win Serie A here? Um, probably, I really want to say AC Milan because of Giroud and Giroud only. Actually, Giroud and Mignon, those two. Yeah, Mignon. And Tamori. God, I like AC Milan. Huh. Yeah, they have... Uh, Hernandez, you know, not oh, bad. They've got so many French players. God, I kind of, I kind of want to say AC Milan, but I think it will be Inter Milan. I think way. so too. Uh, they've got, they've got a better depth chart. Basically, is, is how I look at it. Uh, they've got better depth. They signed Robin Gosens, who mm-hmm. is one of, is a player that I rate super highly. Uh, Napoli, I, they, they always fall off at the end, man. They always do. They and always they have, they look have, like they might challenge, and then they just decline in the, in the last and, and two they, months. They, they lose to Empoli and Spezia at home. Like That's kind of the games that Napoli have been inconsistently playing this, this exactly. past season. Yeah, so that, that's the issue. I, I, think, I think Inter, it's probably going to be one of the Milan teams, but I'd say Inter wins out. Even though mm-hmm. they lost to AC Milan, you know, they have a game in hand. I think, I, I can't remember exactly who it's against, but I think... It's either against Fiorentina or Spezia or Salernitana, all of which are not fantastic right now. Yeah. So I, I, I could see them winning that one pretty easily. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind AC Milan winning this. Uh, you know, make Serie A a bit more competitive. Uh, don't have a title defense. Could be interesting. It could be interesting. And, uh, it looks like that game that they plays Bologna. Ah, uh, I mean, even then, that's they're in thirteenth. So yeah, exactly. That that's still a, that's still not yeah. the toughest game they could have. I agree with your point on Napoli, and this is kind of the thing that you've been saying, which I, I, I really like Napoli, unfortunately. Uh, but you have been very, very true, very, very right this season when you say like, oh, Napoli, they're just too inconsistent they're going to drop off eventually and that's been the case they need to be near perfect in order to hold off the milan teams inter milan they dropped they dropped a lot of points especially against top five teams like uva napoli milan and atalanta in fact in the league so far i actually looked back at their results they've only taken max points like three points in one game against top five teams so far this season and that was a 3-2 win over uva and a 3-2 win over uva is not actually that impressive uh, in this season. However, they played a lot of those games and they've their schedule gets easier from here on out. So if they can take care of those lower table teams and like at least do the job against the likes of uh, Lazio Fiorentina, then they'll they'll win. And I think that's the biggest thing that they have going for them, the fact that they have depth and those the easier schedule. But Jack, AC Milan are not in the Champions League. They're not in any Europe right now. So while Inter Milan are in the Champions League, and we're going to talk about that in a second, AC Milan don't have to worry about anything. And yes, obviously, 
every player wants to win every single competition and it's kind of you know a, a little bit insulting to say this is a, a a blessing in disguise but at the same time now that they can focus all on the league do you think that this could actually lend itself towards ac milan taking the Serie A title it could it definitely could uh it's it's just that the thing that holds me back is I love Giroud. I really do. He's one of my favorite all-time players. That doesn't mean he's young and spry, exactly. And their backup striker, at the moment it seems, is um like 40-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's injured. Uh, that striker depth doesn't give me a ton of confidence. And with Edin Dzeko being as good as he has been this season, I... I, I I just take Inter Milan over over them. And also, sure. no disrespect to Inter, and kind of a spoiler for ahead, but I'm not sure how much longer they're going to be in the Champions League. Yikes, for, yikes. Uh, which, a yeah, little unfair, maybe, but still, I, 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 I can see them getting knocked out in this stage. Okay, all right. Well, we both agree that Arsenal are going to be in the top four in the Premier League and possibly Inter or maybe AC Milan in uh, Serie A. And as Jack has alluded to, we're about to talk about UCL Round of 16 predictions real quick, uh, mostly because I feel like not a lot of these matches are super close, except maybe two or three. So Jack, going uh, from, I feel like, I believe like the earliest to the latest, let's start off, we'll get to Inter Milan, but let's start off with PSG versus Real Madrid, which is quite, quite the big game. Jack, once all is said and done, who is taking the berth to the quarterfinal here? This is the closest matchup, without a okay. doubt. Uh, like, these are two perfectly matched teams, both top in their leagues with a decent enough lead ahead of the rest of the pack. Uh, that being said, PSG not really clicking all the time. They're, they're not really clicking all the time. Very true. Not really. uh, Haven't been super impressive in most of their league games yes they're like 10 15 points ahead of everyone else but that doesn't mean they've looked great real madrid on the other hand have Look looked great yeah looked really good um and i don't want them to go through because i'd much rather see psg go through with messi but i think real madrid are gonna win this one i think so too i think real madrid is a, just a fuller team from front to back you have good defenders you have good veterans and some younger players. And you have the the two players that I have been raving about this entire season, Vinicius Jr. and Benzema, who I actually have not been paying attention too much this past week, but I believe they're both healthy and available. I, I say. believe so as well, but Unless I will check. Crazy while, happened. I'll, I'll check while you go to the next, while you. you go to the next one there. Yeah. But, but uh, overall, I think PSG, you know, I, I don't think that they've had too much success against really good, great teams against Manchester City so my guess is that this is the end of the road for them because Real Madrid are miles ahead of them in terms of quality in terms of quality of play and I'm actually not sure if they're no wait Kareem Benzema is not currently available See, he has a I, hamstring injury I, I was fearing that I had I had this feeling that I, I remember reading that yeah, Benzema neither of them played this past week Okay, okay, but but uh, now I'm looking at an article that says Benzema in Real Madrid contention for PSG okay, Clash. Okay. If that's the case, then then that changes everything if he can't play, but I think he will, and even though 
Messi, Neymar, Mbappe are great. I think Real Madrid, they have that structural strength to them. I think they'll get through. This is, better of course, chemistry, the, better chemistry, yeah. too. I, I feel like this is this is the closest match. So it, it could go either way. But I really believe in that partnership up front and just the completeness that Ancelotti's team exudes right now. Let's go to uh, Sporting CP versus Manchester City. Uh, I'll start off with this one. Uh, I mean, cool. Sporting CP is here. <laughs> they eliminated Dortmund. That's cool. But City are just quite obviously the better team. Even even Manchester City's B team. And no, no, no disrespect to the Portuguese league or Portugal or Sporting CP as a whole. But City's B team can do a lot of damage to most teams in the world. So... I'm going with City. Jack? Yeah, um, UEFA really just said, psych, see you later, bro. <laughs> Sporting yeah. CP. Like, man, that's that's probably the toughest draw you could have gotten. Uh, yeah. And it's really rough for them. Uh, I feel like they could make it competitive, but they would have to play literally at, literally perfectly. And we know that's not going to be possible over two legs. Uh, mm-hmm. If it is... I would laugh so hard if Manchester City get eliminated in the round of 16. I think the yes. world would. Uh, but, I think the world would too. But, yeah, I, I, I feel like Manchester City are going to win it. 538 actually has this as the most likely, like, oh, really? Man City have the highest chance of making it through the quarters. 92%. Uh, so, Yikes. yeah, I, I feel like Sporting CP are going to be headed back to Portugal. Mm-hmm. And speaking of 538, I just pulled it up. The next uh, team that we're going to pl- talk about, Bayern Munich, has an 84% chance of making it to the quarterfinals because they're playing RB Salzburg, who, while good, while champions of the Austrian Bundesliga, just don't have the raw talent, the raw floor, talent floor to compete. Sorry, Brendan Aronson. Jack, I'm guessing you're going to go the same way. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that Salzburg don't have the capability yeah. to do well against them. They can get a result at home for sure. Yeah. But I, over two legs. Exactly. That's the issue. They they play at home first and then they have to go to the Allianz Arena. The only, and like seriously, the only things that I can think of that can help them are that Alfonso Davies isn't playing. Manuel Neuer can't play because he, ha- he tore his meniscus. Uh, Jamal Musiala can't play. And Leon Goretzka can't play. But Robert Lewandowski can play, and that's pretty much all they need. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, But I will say Bayern aren't invincible. They lost to Bochum this weekend, which was that's true. not a good hey. showing from them. Yeah, who knows, uh, who knows. Like, Lewandowski was literally the only good part of this game, of that game. The The one thing that I could think of, if, if uh, Salzburg's attacking talent is on point, Bayern's defense is struggling right now. So they could, uh, they really could get a result. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. Unfortunately, I, I think Bayern will still win. All right. Maybe we'll keep our agreements going with Inter Milan versus Liverpool. Jack, are you going with uh, Inter or are you going with Liverpool? I feel like after we, our conversation just a moment ago, you're going with Liverpool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Liverpool. I mean, they've pretty much got top four in the Premier League wrapped up at this point. Uh, it would take a catastrophic collapse for them to not make top four at this point. Like, worse than last season's collapse that they had mid-season. But, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think Liverpool, like Inter Milan, 
great team, but I think Liverpool have better players in almost every position. Almost every yes. position. I will say striker. I might take Dzeko over Firmino, uh, but it, it's 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 still pretty close. I I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Inter Milan are, are are better than that a little bit, but I, yeah, they, they they I'm probably giving them too little credit, but yeah, I I do think at the same time this is a much weaker team than the team that won the Scudetto last season, and uh, right, uh, yeah, I, I I just I just feel like that that Liverpool have more to play for in the Champions League than in the league. Yes, I agree, and I'll, I'll even say like Inter Milan. Yeah, I, I do honestly agree that they'll have to really perform well because I, I don't I don't think that that this is a, a particularly better team compared to last season and I I just uh, really worry about how how splitting depth between the league and the the Champions League will affect them and Liverpool I mean they added Luis Diaz this past past January transfer window so they got the good depth they got good depth in every position. I think they can afford to split time between the league and the Champions League. In fact, I think they, like you said, can afford to really focus on the Champions League, get back to that final again and win it once more. So I'm going with Liverpool as well. Now, Jack, Villarreal versus Juventus. Who are you going for? Oof. That That's going to be a little bit, that that's tougher. I, I think it's another pretty even matchup. Uh, I think so too, honestly, which kind of sucks for Juve fans to have to say that after winning the league so many yeah, times. But if you look at the injuries, there's tough ones for both teams. Villarreal are missing Francis Cocolon, who's been great in midfield for them. And this is the key one. Gerard Moreno is oh, out man. with a calf injury. He could he could return for the for the Champions League tie. Probably the second leg more so than the first, but if he's not in there, that, that's a tough ask. But Juventus, Chiesa is out for the season. Uh, which is a huge, huge relief for Villarreal. But Villarreal have built a very good defensive identity with Unai Emery at the helm. Uh, they might struggle a bit offensively, but honestly, given Juventus's recent record in the round of 16 at, in the Champions League, <laughs> I, 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 I think Villarreal are, are going to win. I, I, I'm backing Villarreal in this one. And wow. you could say it's just because I hate Juventus. And you'd be half right. But I do think Villarreal could very well win this one. I'm fine with Juventus, and I'm still going with Villarreal. I'm, I'm very surprised okay. how much we've agreed. I guess it's the round of 16, so yeah, you kind of expect yeah. that. Uh, but I, I think that Juve just have a lot bigger issues to deal with. I, I think that their, their defensive woes are kind of, you know, very, very much there. Midfield while it has improved in the recent months, has still not come to uh, where it needs to be. And Villarreal, listen, I, I really don't think that they're going to win the league. Uh, they can still, you know, challenge for top four. That's still in reach. But I think their their main concern is going to be making it as far as possible in the Champions League. And if not, focus on the league again. So I, I think there's a little flexibility for them there. Chelsea versus Lille, Jack. Uh, I chose Chelsea. And the only thing I wrote down was... Yeah, they're they're champions of the world. I mean, I, I I don't think you can really compare, right? So, what do you think? Yeah, I I obviously I'm gonna go for Chelsea, but beyond like just are, beyond yeah. just biased reasons, Lille have not been good recently. They're, they're in tenth, tenth place. That's tenth what I was gonna say. Gone. Like 
come on. They they won last season. Their their biggest win is three to one over a team that is struggling to survive. And they got embarrassed five to one against PSG. Uh you know, th- this this is a very far cry from the Lille that won the league. And also, Chelsea have experience beating Lille. They they beat them in the 2019 group stage twice. So, you know, and I I I I'm I'm not sure about you, but I think that the that this Chelsea team is better than the one in 2019. So, I I think yeah, I think sure, that, I sure. think that's a pretty fair statement to make. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I, I, I had to think about my years for a second. Yeah, like the, yeah. the one that got embarrassed seven to seven yes, to one exactly. in, the, in the round of 16 against Bayern. Yeah, that that I think we're better than that now. I'm going with Chelsea. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think Leal again ha- would have to pay, play absolutely perfectly. I don't think they're going to do that. All right. Benfica versus Ajax, which I think is realistically the third, second most uh, even match even though it's not against uh big teams i i I think ajax is gonna win this and it's not just because i like ajax i have my ajax scarf right here amsterdam's a great city sebastian is the best number nine in in the history of the world uh but he is a great number nine to be fair i think he's uh the one of the only players to ever score in all six uh matches in the group stage so he's on fire in terms of the champions league has been playing uh very well in the league and it's not just the, the striking force that can go on and on about but defensively in in the league Ajax have only conceded five goals all season like like and yes that's against the Eredivisie teams but still that shows that this is a very very good good team regardless of the opposition to to only concede five goals when the the next best is 19 like that that's very very good they've shown what they can do in uh in the Champions League in that group stage. Benfica, yes, they're good, but they're third in the Premier Liga in the Portugal. I think Ajax should be able to go to the quarterfinal and potentially even the semifinal. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, uh, just two two important stats here. Uh, Ajax have a nine-game winning streak right now. Oh, nice. And Benfica have not kept a clean sheet in five matches. Awesome. Uh, right <laughs> so take those two together and i think you get an ajax win from that yeah uh, I'm, I'm i'm no mathematician necessarily but uh i think not clean sheets plus lots of goals and win streak from ajax equals ajax win yes c- c- can i quickly say uh ajax has run a form since the beginning of the year yeah and i have to say yes of course it is against Dutch teams, and Ajax are the best team in the Dutch league. But in the league, beat three FC Utrecht three to zero, beat PSV Eindhoven, which is a good team two to one, beat Heracles three to zero, Vitesse five to zero, and most recently uh, today actually FC Twenty five to zero. That's not to uh, overlook their KNVB Cup win against probably a lower league team excelsior mass louis nine to zero like come on yeah that, that, right? that's a lower league team <laughs> yeah sure still nine, nine, nine to zero that's okay it's, still, it's still a good result man was biased but i think ix can do this uh another pretty evenly matched team uh, a game i should say maybe actually not that i'm thinking about it atletico madrid versus manchester united 
Jack, I'm going with Atletico Madrid, which is the first English team that I am betting against because, again, with Ragnick's not-so-hot start to his uh, his leadership with the club, what, what does United want to be? Who is this team? How does Ronaldo fit in it? Because right now he's not fitting well. How does the defense play up to Ragnick's standards and the fan standards? Hint, they don't play up to that standard. Uh, Atletico aren't the best, of course, right now. But Simeone and Letico have the ability to just toy with this Manchester team that is in more dire straits than them right now. So I'm going to go with Atletico. Yeah, Jack. I'm going with Atletico Madrid, too. Damn, we, we all we just completely agree this entire time. Yeah, uh, it, that's the last one, too, isn't it? Uh, yes, we, we agree on every single one of these. Um, yeah, um, men use injury list as well. Isn't great. Uh, and I don't know. Atletico Madrid. They they seem like they seem like they could be a good team. Yes, they struggled against Hitafe this past right. weekend, which was not good because Hitafe is like pretty low down in the table. But Manchester United, come on, drawing to Middlesbrough, drawing to Burnley, and drawing to Southampton. And Ronaldo is on a goalless streak as well. Like I I mean, sure, he loves playing against Atletico Madrid. You you might remember his hat trick uh, against yes, sir against Atleti uh, when he played for Real Madrid, but I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I, if I'm not sure if I'm taking this Manchester United <laughs> form against Atletico Madrid, especially against Diego Simeone, right. uh, who just, just likes to mess with people. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I could, I could see, I could see Atletico Madrid pulling out the win here. All right. So, Round of 16 is uh, fully previewed. We'll probably review the round of 16, maybe after the first game or definitely after the second game, and talk about the quarterfinals, which are, I, I think are going to be a little bit more interesting. Not that these games aren't interesting, but might have a little bit more uh, even matches. Uh, so, yeah, we covered, you know, five really big stories there. Uh, an hour and 30 minutes, whatever. I'm sure the listeners have completely enjoyed that. If you do, listeners enjoy it. Definitely leave a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. But Jack, if people like this show so much and maybe wanted to talk to us about it, as you know, a good amount of people on Twitter have, you know, we, we've gotten some uh, some recognition from some, from some fans who enjoy the show. So if you're one of them, thank you so much. But Jack, where can people leave their 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 heart heartful uh, uh, messages? Considering it is Valentine's Day, where can they leave those messages? They can leave them on our Twitter at Final Third Show and Instagram. We don't use that as much, but Twitter yeah, I, is. I the promise place I will. To be. But yeah, <laughs> Twitter Twitter is the place to be. Uh, you know, there's a there's a ton of great stuff happening on there. Posting some memes, posting some actual good content, yeah. uh, posting some bad takes, some good takes. Uh, and if you, and if you want to see all of that, make sure to give us a follow on there and, uh, interact, you know, it's, it's, uh, fun to have conversations with people and, uh, absolutely discuss events in the world of soccer. So yeah, why not? Why not indeed. All right. Again, as always, if you enjoy the show, definitely, definitely go uh, check it out on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Give us a follow if you haven't already. Give us a rating. Uh, if you enjoy it so much, let a friend know about the show. That's a huge help. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about what's going on in Chelsea, what's going on in Syria, Premier League, and beyond. We'll see you guys 
this Thursday for a Western Conference preview of MLS. So, so excited to talk about that. Talk about how Minnesota United's going to win the league finally. And we'll see you guys same time, same place for our news and predictions episode next Monday. See ya. Bye for now. Here.